You're listening to The Dugout, a college baseball match podcast. Today we spoke with Jackson Zerubin. We talked to Jackson about what it was like to play for three different college programs, as well as his process in choosing his initial school, as well as the decision to transfer to two other programs. We talked to him also about his journey chasing the Major League Dream, playing for the Los Angeles Angels organization. All that and more on today's episode. Jackson, it's uh, great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Um, so you've obviously had a uh, you know quite a journey through baseball. Um, you played in the professional ranks. You played at different levels of the college ranks, uh, both at a two-year and a four-year institution, a couple four-year institutions. So you've been kind of around the block, so to speak. Oh yeah. Um, you know, when you were going through your recruiting process, starting as a fresh or starting as a high school student, looking at uh, your first school, which was Ohlone College. What were you focusing on and what other options? How did you go about that process? Yeah, so basically at high school, um, I did a ton of showcases. I did a lot with Perfect Game. Um, so hope to get some interest from those guys. But out of high school, I actually didn't have any offers. I didn't have a four-year offer. So when I was looking at schools, I was looking at local junior colleges, um, places where I could commute to, and uh, just like um, teams that had good programs. So Ohlone had won the state championship previously. Uh, the year before I went there. Mm-hmm. So um, that kind of drew me to them because I wanted to go to a good junior college that could help me get into a four-year because that was my ultimate goal right. was to get into a good four-year college. So the main thing was just finding a good junior college that could help me get there. And when you were going through, like as a high school student, where did you know that, you know, did, when did you figure out maybe that, you know, the D1 offer wasn't coming yeah. and, and or a four-year offer that you were thinking about wasn't coming? When did you decide on uh, going to junior college? Yeah, so I always wanted to go D1. Okay. So I had my heart set on uh, going to a Division One school, particularly in California, but I would have taken anything. Um, that that fall, I had talked to some Division One schools um, mm-hmm. after a showcase. Um, I actually hit better than I pitched. So I talked to some of them for hitting, but ended up becoming a pitcher only in college. So those kind of fell off. That interest fell off the table. Um, so probably towards the summer after my senior season mm-hmm. um, is when I decided to real or I started to realize that I wasn't going to go to a four year. Yeah. And I, um, went to, I decided to commit to Ohlone, I guess you could call it. I just walked on basically, but, um, I decided about three weeks before the school year started. So it was a pretty late decision. I was, I was still trying to get into a four year during Mm -hmm. the summer, Okay, but, um, yeah, I kind of held out as long as I could. And then when you got to Ohlone, how long, how long, how many years did you play there? I played two years there. Okay. And what was that like as far as jump, making the jump from high school to junior college? Definitely the workload. Um, our junior college, we practiced my first year, six days a week. Practices were three to four hours, um, lots of conditioning, uh, lots of field work, stuff like that. So um, it's a lot more work. You have to be a little more committed than in high school because high school, you know, practices are two hours a day. They're yeah. pretty low key, not as intense. Um, yeah. Typically, we didn't lift too much in high school. And then once we went to college, we had lifts, you know, about three, four days a week. So um, we had access to a good weight room. So a lot more work, uh, a lot more working out and Stuff like that. Was there anything that you realized that you wanted to focus on your game to improve in order to hopefully make that transfer and that jump to a D1 program? Yeah, for sure. So back in 2011, when I went to Ohlone, um, it was still kind of you had to throw hard to get into a good program. And these days, it's even it's even more you have to throw hard to get into a good program. So throughout junior college, I was focused on getting stronger, um, throwing harder. And then along with that came some injuries. So I started to have to focus on um, soft tissue work, stretching, um, staying mobile, uh, getting more flexible, things like that. So I've always kind of been working on trying to throw harder, but also to stay healthy and to, uh, you know, take care of my body as best I can. Right. Um, So, you know, 
when you're at Ohlone and then all of a sudden you're now two years in and you're looking at, at you know, transferring, um, what other offers did, were you looking at? What other schools were you thinking about before deciding on uh, U- University of Tennessee Martin? Yeah. So in junior college, I still wanted to go to a division one program. Still kind of had that mindset because, um, you know, I always thought in my head that if I went to a division one school, it gives me the best chance to get drafted. And then, um, I mean, later on in college, I realized that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. But in junior college, I still wanted that. So I had some uh, I had a couple offers maybe from some, you know, lower end schools like Division two NAI right. that in my eyes weren't as good of programs. Right. So I didn't pay attention to those as much as I should have. And I got a Division one offer to uh, University of Tennessee at Martin. Mm. Um, so because that was Division one, I, I was interested. I got another offer from uh, a school in Indiana. They were Division one. Um, we, we kind of stopped talking though. Um, I think they lost interest a little bit during the season, but, um, I say talking to UT Martin, they saw a video of me on YouTube. That's how they found me. Um, one of my old summer coaches sent out like an email saying I was uncommitted and he looked at a video on YouTube was interested. And we just talked through most of the season. I think I committed probably halfway through the season in April. Okay. So you were looking at, uh, you know, making this next jump or this first transfer that you made. Uh, with a lens of you wanted to play pro ball. Mm-hmm. And so is it fair to say that you felt like D1 was the best way to get noticed for pro ball? Yeah, I was pretty ignorant. So I would say I thought that was the best way for me to do it. Sure. But I mean, as you can see, I went to Sonoma State and got picked up out of there. So that yeah. was a way better fit for me than it would have been going to Division One Tennessee Martin. Of course. So you go from, um, so I actually backing up real quick, uh, what, you know, did you do any visits to UT Martin? Did, you know, what were the deciding factors for you besides just the D1 component? I actually didn't do any visits there. Um, their schedule is pretty strong. They're in a pretty good conference, um, mm-hmm. mid-major Division One conference. But we played Vanderbilt while I was there. We played uh, Ole Miss. They ended up playing Mississippi State. And uh, I think they played Missouri. We played Memphis. But they right. played a lot of good schools, so it was good competition, good exposure. Mm-hmm. So um, I just saw videos online of, of you know, the campus and the facilities. They had a really nice weight room, which which I was, you know, pretty excited about. Yeah. Um, they had a good schedule. Um, they they had players drafted out of there previously, so all those factors kind of factored into my decision. And then you're you're originally from the Bay Area, yeah. basically, yeah. right? Um, Bay Area adjacent, exactly. Um, yeah. And so, you know, what was it like for you to go from, you know, playing in the Bay Area, growing up in the Bay Area, which, as you know, the weather is uh, very nice, and the area is oh, yeah. nice, and California is just kind of a different uh, beast when you think about it. To yeah. going to the Midwest and Tennessee, and mm-hmm. what was that like? Yeah, so I would say about end of October up until April, it's it, it's cold. It snowed a little bit um, up where I was. Um, mm-hmm. It snows a lot more in you know different areas, but um, there were some times we would have school canceled for a week or two because of snow. Yeah. Um, so most of the fall, we practiced indoors in the basketball gym. Mm-hmm. So we had some portable mounds. We threw indoors. Um, lifting obviously is indoors, but we didn't get to go on the field as much as you would in California. Right. Um, so it's a little bit different. Uh, and that regards to where like you're doing a lot more things indoors and you kind of have to adapt to, you know, the different weather uh, conditions. So definitely like California more, like the weather more. Um, but there's there's still benefits of going out there. There's good good competition and all that. So how long were you playing at UT Martin? Two years, two okay. seasons. And what was the impetus to make you uh, go to transfer again to Sonoma yeah. State? Well, my first season there, I had a medical redshirt. I had a groin strain that um, happened right when the season started, and it, it uh, got misdiagnosed a couple times, um, got like, a, I think, two MRIs on it. Mm. And it was just a three to four week type injury, right. but I was being told it was like a hip labrum tear and all these different things. And uh, I had to sit out my whole first year for that. 
Hmm. So I sat out the year for that. The coach that recruited me got fired before I got there. And Hmm. then the um, interim head coach got fired um, after the season. So the two coaches I knew there both got fired. So my, my second year at Tennessee, my fourth year at college total, we got a new coach. Right. And he was really strict. Um, We didn't have too much of, uh, of freedom with what we could do personally right. and our throwing program, you know, the structure with that, um, he had some different views on things. So we didn't really do too much throwing wise to sure. improve. There wasn't, you know, like uh, a good arm care routine. You know, we didn't have any uh, weighted ball routines or things like that. It was kind of just play catch and that's all you can do. So it was just really kind of lacking in, in where you felt like uh, the focus was put on as far as organizational philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of development when it comes to, or when it came to the pitchers, um, he, he, he took control of pretty much the whole, you know, like he would call pitches and games, wow. um, wouldn't allow us much freedom to improve. And, you know, in those days it's, it, it was starting to lean towards you need to throw hard to get drafted. Right. Um, for the most part, there's obviously, you know, certain cases here and there, you don't need to throw, you know, 95 to get drafted, but, um, it was leaning towards that and we weren't doing anything to get better in that regards. Right. So I felt constricted and, you know, I had one year left to play after my fourth year of college. Right. So I was like, I can't do this old school mindset. Like I've got to find a place where I can have a little more freedom and develop. So how did you start to explore that, uh, the, the idea of transferring and, and that process was maybe similar to the previous processes mm-hmm. that you had taken, but, um, you know, what was, what was that like for you? What was your mindset going into that? Yeah. So I left school, um, my fourth year, my second year at Tennessee, I left still on the team. So I I wasn't decommitted yet. Um, And then, so that was in May. And in June, one of my buddies uh, left Santa Barbara. He was a pitcher at Santa Barbara. Mm. And he was going to commit to Sonoma State. He said, dude, this program's awesome. They have a ton of good players. Um, They get guys picked up every year. Um, The coach gives you so much freedom. Like, you know, you can do your own throwing program if if you want to. Because a lot of people that transfer into Sonoma State transfer as, you know, third-year players. Okay. So um, they get a lot of homegrown guys, you know, that start their freshman year. But they get a lot of transfers also from junior colleges or Division One kickbacks. Interesting. So um, a lot of the guys are mature, so they allow a little bit more freedom. So he told me that. I didn't really look into transferring to a school yet. Yeah. Because um, I was still committed to Sonoma, or, uh, still committed to Tennessee Martin. Right. He told me that. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Like, that sounds like the program I'm looking for. Like, I don't want to leave Tennessee Martin because I've been there two years. You know, Um, I was a captain on the team and I was like really involved with the guys. I love the guys on the team. Yeah. So I was I was trying to stay, you know, for them. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, if if I want to, you know, play professionally, I have to go to a place where I can, you know, get better before uh, the next draft class. So, you know, it doesn't sound like you were ever. Uh, afraid to make that that move to transfer and you know you knew what you wanted you had a goal in mind and Mm -hmm. uh, you weren't going to necessarily let anything stop that okay so you you hear from this friend um you're you're interested in the autonomy you can kind of get what was your next step in the transfer process so i had to tell my coach that i was decommitting because i I couldn't you know really talk to schools right if i was still on a program so you know just to avoid any uh any, any, you know, like my coach not allowing me to decommit because, sure. you know, he hears rumors I'm talking at our schools. He's yeah. like, no, I'm not going to grant you a release. So I, I called my coach first and uh, I was actually helping my sister move out of San Luis Obispo. Okay. Um, I was helping her move out. So I took a little break from moving and I called him. It was, it was a one minute conversation. I was like, hey, you know, I'm decommitting. And he goes, okay, uh, email this guy and he'll give you a release. It was super quick. I was really surprised he didn't try to keep me on the team, yeah. or, like fight for me. So at that point I knew it was the right decision. And then from there on, I could uh, talk to Sonoma State. So they were really the only school I reached out to. Okay. Because I was, it, you know, it was close to home. It was uh, affordable because I was committing so late. 
a lot of people have already given out scholarships. Yeah. So I was able to get some money, but the school is so cheap. It's a, it's a um, state school. Yeah. Um, it was, it was the perfect fit for me. My buddy committed. And then we got one of our friends from high school who, who was playing at Azusa to commit with us. Okay. So us three transferred, we got a house together. So that's it was, awesome. It was a fun time. Yeah. That's great. And so why don't you walk me through, uh, what a day looks like, uh, at Sonoma state as a player? Yeah. So, um, off season, I guess, um, we practice, I would say about four days a week. So it wasn't too strenuous in the off season and the practices were pretty focused, you know, two hours. And then we would have lifts about three days a week. Um, so you get your lifts in after practice on certain days. They're pretty flexible with guys with their schedule. Um, Tennessee Martin was more like, Hey, we're practicing six to 10 PM. We did night practices. So like you have to get your classes in before Sonoma state was a little more flexible. Uh, they wanted you to keep, you know, like one to four open, mm-hmm. but like if some, some classes overlapped, it would be okay. But for the most part, I, I had all my classes in the morning, you know, 8am classes and they would be done by the time practice started. And then you just go to practice two hours and three days a week you lift. And then if you're not lifting, then you just go home and, you know, hang out. Yeah. But yeah. Well, so, you know, you talk about, you know, it sounds like a, a busy day, mm-hmm. um, a busy year. And it's really like juggling, you know, two full-time jobs in a lot of ways. You're a student and an athlete. Um, You know, can you speak a little bit to the sacrifices, you know, that you kind of have to make uh, both before you even get to the point of playing in college as well as, you know, when you are in college, you have to make those sacrifices? Definitely. Well, a lot of friends I had, uh, including my wife, they worked a lot during college. Right. So with practice and with games, you don't really have a flexible schedule to work. Mm-hmm. unless you want to work, you know, like night shifts somewhere and sure. you no know, sleep. So it's yeah. probably not smart with all the studying you're doing and things like that. So um, it's not too realistic to have a job mm-hmm. while you're in college playing baseball. So uh, fortunately, my parents, you know, helped me out a lot yeah. financially. So I didn't have to worry about that. But um, that's one a- one aspect you have to sacrifice is you can't really, um, you know, get a ton of money on your own if you're playing baseball in college. Right. Um, and there's a lot less time to study and do homework and stuff. And sure. A lot of the times you're tired. So mm-hmm. if you tend to procrastinate, like I did sometimes, most of the time, I guess, um, you know, you're doing your homework when you're tired at night, like it's last minute. So you kind of have to learn to set um, a strict schedule for yourself and um, organize and plan a little bit better, uh, like your daily activities or if you have a test that you need to study for, or like assignments do. So yeah, a lot more time constricted, but you learn to manage your time a little better. Yeah, that, I think time management has always been the key, both for high school students preparing uh, for playing call you know baseball in college as well as just you know being an adult you have to yeah. manage your time effectively um you know speaking of which you know you talk about um you know playing in a, in a new school in, in a new place um what uh, were the biggest changes you you realized from a program standpoint and you know not not no no need to get into specifics necessarily but did you know that Sonoma State did it feel like the right place for you after you'd made that that last transfer yeah it definitely did I think um with every program, you're going to have pros and cons. So there's sure. going to be things you don't like. There's going to be things you like. But Sonoma State was perfect because it allowed me the freedom. Like I, I did a lot of weighted ball throwing on my own outside of practice. Right. And I lifted – the majority of my lifts were outside of practice um, at the student rec center. So just having that freedom, you know, like the first, second week there. Um, sure. I think the first the first couple of weeks like were really low-key. Uh, if I was at Tennessee, it would be strict practices, four hours a day. Like there, there's no time to do anything. But the first couple of weeks there were super laid back. I was getting stuff into my own, like seeing my velocity increase. Yeah. And uh, with that velocity increase, you know, getting stronger, um, getting a better feel for myself. Um, you know, I started to realize like, hey, this is a good place to be. So it, it didn't take long for me to realize that this was a good fit for me. And 
it was going to be a good year. Yeah. And so then you finished out uh, at Sonoma State and you ended up uh, signing out of college with the Angels, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your, your professional career. What was the biggest jump you noticed from uh, that you needed to make and the adjustments you needed to make from the college game into the pro game? Yeah. So before pro ball, um, I was primarily a fastball guy. Mm-hmm. Didn't uh, have too much confidence in my, in my slider, my changeup. Um, didn't throw it as much. And getting into pro ball, um, I think the first two games I pitched or three games I pitched, I gave up two or three home runs on forcing fastballs. Right. And you, and you start to learn that these hitters can hit fastballs. They can hit 95 mile an hour fastball. Um, so you need to pitch guys backwards, use your off speed more, uh, keep hitters off balance. So it was then where I started to throw my slider a lot more. And then that became, you know, my go-to pitch. So I probably went from throwing maybe around 10 to 20% sliders to upwards of 30, 35% sliders. So throwing a lot more off-speed pitches, you know, keeping guys off balance, uh, learning to trust your off-speed, have confidence in it. Because um, if you have if you have velocity, that's good. But if that's all you have, unless you're a guy, you know, that's close to triple digits, yeah. it's not going to get you too far. Right. Um, so you have to learn to at least have a secondary pitch that's a plus pitch for you. Yeah. And, you know, you've been in the game a long time. And I'm sure there, there have been many opportunities where you've needed to uh, make adjustments in order to um, make it through some adverse situations and, and kind of make those next steps. Um, you've had a, a fairly, you know, successful minor league career and you're still working towards that, that end and that goal. And, um, you know, can you name a specific time that you can think of where you met uh, substantial adversity and was able to kind of persevere through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, kind of similar to, you know, out of high school, didn't have an offer. I uh, went to junior college and went from there um, out of Sonoma State. My fifth year, I was expecting to get drafted, uh, ended up not getting drafted. So, um, you know, a lot of times like you don't get drafted, you don't know where to go. Yeah. So I kind of just kept working and, uh, you know, I'd thrown for guys, was throwing hard. Um, like I threw in front of the Mets, threw really well, threw in front of the Braves, threw really well. Um, but they ended up not being able to pick me up. A lot of it was because um, I only threw about maybe 20 innings my senior year. Okay. And we played double headers. A lot of the times I would close the second game of double header. There's no one there. So uh, not too many people knew about me. So after the draft, I think um, two weeks after, you know, I just kept trying to throw for guys, got in touch with one of my old uh, summer ball coaches. And I pitched for him a little bit. He knew an Angels guy. Mm-hmm. So Angels guy ended up coming out. And uh, from there, got invited to a post-draft workout. Uh, down at their spring training complex right and then through there didn't think it went well they ended up calling me the next day and signing me so kind of that period post-draft and then before I signed you know just thinking like where do I go from here like I was expecting to get drafted um you know like I'm not sure like if I want to get a job or just keep grinding and see yeah. what happens so like those couple of weeks were tough but I, I mean I never I never thought I wasn't going to end up playing professionally but um it, it was just it was just tough kind of like all this work you know seems like it came to nothing and then you know, full, it comes full circle eventually, but yeah. And, you know, currently you work, uh, at hard 90 baseball, um, working with the high school guys in the combine. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, if you were to give them a piece of advice, just one piece of advice, and, and maybe even if you yourself, you know, we're looking back mm-hmm. a few years, you know, when you were their age, what would you give them? What piece of advice would you give them? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the, the thing that's going to last with you throughout the long run is just maintaining confidence in yourself and uh, learning to kind of overcome your fears. For me, a lot of the times what held me back in games was I would be afraid to go all out, you know, to throw 100 percent, 
um, you know, like fear of not throwing a strike, you know, yeah. and then you start walking guys um, or fear like, you know, what if I have a bad day today, but you can't let those what ifs or those fears get to you. You just have to go all out every day. And, you know, there are days w- where uh, I'll be training and, you know, I'm throwing to the radar gun and it's not giving me readings I want or, you know, my off speed's not working like I want, but you're going to have probably more of those types of days than you are going to have successful days, days where you feel like everything's perfect. Right. Right. So you have to learn to kind of persevere through those days and not let, um, you know, a bad number on the radar gun or a bad performance get to you and just learn to trust yourself and maintain confidence in yourself throughout your career. That's great advice. Um, you know, now we're going to be kind of moving into the closing nine segment of our, of our podcast. Uh, these are nine quick questions, uh, just meant to kind of get to know the, the real you a little bit mm-hmm. and, uh, you can answer in a sentence or less. Okay. Um, and cool. so, yeah, we'll get started. Awesome. What time do you wake up in the morning? Lately around nine. Favorite baseball movie? Oh, Sandlot. Favorite baseball player growing up? Jason Schmidt, if anybody knows Jason Schmidt. If you were to choose one person to play you in a movie, who would it be? Oh, man. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's the man. He's a little bigger than me, though, but I'll take it. Yeah. Sunflower seeds, David's or Spitz? Used to be David's. Pro ball, most people go Spitz. Yeah. Favorite flavor? Ranch. Uh, DH or no DH? DH. I don't want to face Chapman. No shot. Who is the best player you have played with or against? Best player? Hmm. I would say Pierre in the minor leagues. Um, hmm. That's a tough one. Best player with or against? Uh, with the Angels, um, we have a guy named Brandon Marsh. Mm-hmm. He's a hitter outfielder. Yeah, I'll, put, I'll pick him. That's awesome. All right, so it's it's bottom ninth. Uh, with runners in scoring position at Game 7 of the World Series. Who, past or present, do you want in the batter's box? Mike Trout. Easy. And what about, uh, you, you know, it's it's the last uh, game and you have to put someone on the mound. Who, who are you going to throw? Last game, put someone on the mound. Rivera. Closer. Is this a closer count or a starter? Uh, starter, about, Nolan starter? Starter Nolan Ryan. Starter Nolan Ryan. Closer. Okay. Cl- closer Rivera. Um, what character trait do you think is best for success in the professional level? Resiliency. That's a good one. Well, Jackson, I appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll have you on again to talk about hitting and, and throwing and all this other stuff that you know you you know so well. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Dugout, a college baseball match podcast. For more information about the college baseball recruiting process, visit our website, collegebaseballmatch.com. You can also find us on all social media channels. Do you have a question about the recruiting process that you'd like answered on the show? Email us at support at collegebaseballmatch.com.